Well, if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd ask you to to open up to James chapter 3. We're going to begin there this morning and kind of as we transition from summer back into the the rhythms of the school year, I like to do some some topical messages. And this morning I want to want to teach on the power of words. An American uh, poet named Gwendolyn Brooks. She said this about words. She says, Words can do wonderful things. They sound purr. They can urge. They can wheedle, whip, whine. They can sing, sass, singe. They can churn, check, channelize. They can be a hup, two, three, four... They can forge a fiery army out of a hundred languid men. Speaking of the the power of words in in a similar manner, the Apostle Paul, I'm sorry, not the Apostle Paul, uh, James focuses upon the instrument by which we speak. Here in James 3, he focuses on uh, the mouth, or as he says, uh, the tongue. So if you're there with me in In James 3, beginning verse 1, he says, Do not many of you become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the entire body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the the horse's mouths so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. And look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot wills. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our existence and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and curse. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a fountain pour forth from the same opening fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. Now we have all been burned by the words of another Uh, and we have all burned others with our own words 
Smokey the Bear, who recently turned 80 this summer, if you guys didn't celebrate with him. Uh, what is he famous for saying? Yeah, only you can prevent forest fires. And it's true for camping, and it's also true for conflict in our homes, in our offices, in our neighborhoods, and in our church. It's very easy for words to spark flames. Uh, and uh, if we are in fellowship one another... Right, that was the, the focus of my message uh, last Sunday. Well, we need to be in fellowship. Uh, we need to be in community with one another, striving to build that. Uh, and if we are going to be in fellowship and relationship with one another, what is going to happen? We are like a ticking time bomb. Right? If every single one of us has the potential to be a fire-breathing dragon, uh, it's only a matter of time uh, before small fires begin to, to break out. Am I right? So I'm, I'm seeking to address this now because when is the best time to fight a fire? When it's small or better yet, even better, before it begins, right? It's, it's much better to learn how not to start a fire uh, than rather than like, okay, now the fire is going. Now what do I do? Uh, and uh, what I want to do is uh, I, I want to uh, enlist your help and your aid in keeping it. Right now, I don't know of any, uh, any fires going uh, along here. Uh, if there's one happening, I haven't seen the smoke yet. Uh, and so th- that is a good time. That's the best time uh, to, to teach on this topic. Uh, and uh, we can do uh, preventative forest maintenance, so to speak, uh, this morning. Uh, and that's why I want to speak about the power of words. Proverbs 18:21 says, "Death and life are in the power of the tongue, uh, and those who love it will eat its fruits." And so uh, we want to be proactive. We want to uh, eat the fruits of uh, words that that edify and build up. Uh, but but I would ask this question: So how do we, as a church community, how do we use our words? Uh, to bring healing and life rather than fire and death. And I think that begins uh, with a, a recognition uh, of what gossip is, right? We have to understand uh, the destructive nature, what destructive speech looks like. Uh, and that's what I want to, to focus in on this morning. Really uh, kind of two, two parts to what I want to uh, address uh, and, and the first one is uh, describing the sin of gossip. Sometimes we, we have a, uh, we've heard the word, uh, and sometimes we could just say, well, I know it when I hear it. Uh, but sometimes we don't necessarily know it uh, when we hear it or when we speak it. So uh, what I want to do in this first portion is just kind of journey our way through Scripture and look at all of the, the different ways uh, that gossip is described uh, in the pages of Scripture. Uh, and I have ten different words for you. We're going we're gonna to run through them really quick. The first uh, description is that of a talebearer. This word is uh, used first in, in Leviticus uh, 19, 15 through 18. We're going to land on that passage, uh, I think, uh, next week when we talk about how to resist Gossip, but uh, this word is also used elsewhere. So Proverbs eleven thirteen, he says, "He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter." So the idea is that you go around uh, and you are carrying a story from one person uh, to another, uh, and uh, the emphasis is that uh, basically you're carrying the story, but not everybody needs to know that story. Uh, you, you're carrying it about, uh, but it doesn't need to be carried about. 
Uh, and uh, really the same uh, root word in the Hebrew is connected with being uh, a uh, kind of a marketplace or a merchandise. Right. And uh, in essence, when you are a talebearer, what is it you're handing out? What is it you're uh, trading in? Stories. Yeah. Information. That's the, the first description of being a talebearer. The second one, uh, if you actually turn with me to Proverbs 6, we're going to spend a lot of time in, in Proverbs. Uh, this, is a, this is a really uh, convicting and poignant passage. Proverbs 6, beginning in verse 12, says, A vile person, a wicked man, is the one who walks with a perverse mouth, who winks with his eyes, who signals with his feet, who points with his fingers, who with perversity in his heart continually devises evil. Uh, and then here's uh, our, our word, who spreads contentions. A, a spreader of, of strife or controversy, you know, but, no, but there's, there's more in this passage, continuing on in verse 15. Therefore, his disaster will come suddenly, and instantly he will be broken, and there will be no healing. There are six things which Yahweh hates, even seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked thoughts, feet that hasten to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. And again, there, there's our, our, our word. And the idea uh, is of uh, secretly trying to divide two or more people uh, by the use of uh, lies or, or slander uh, or simply just rerouting uh, grievances. I know, I know I said, hey, turn to Proverbs. Uh, but you see a very clear example of this. If you go to Second Samuel um, 15. That's one uh, a little bit later, but we'll uh, we'll go there now. Second Samuel 15. Uh, we're going to see this in the life of Absalom. What does it look like to be uh, one who who spreads uh, strife or uh, contention? So uh, Absalom uh, had been uh, kind of exiled for killing his brother. It's a long story. Uh, but uh, he's finally let back into uh, the presence of uh, king or into Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, verse 15, we, we see what happens, uh, or chapter 15, verse 1, we see what happens when he comes back into Jerusalem. Uh, it says, Now it happened afterwards that Absalom prepared for himself a chariot and horses and 50 men as runners before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. And when any man had a case to come to the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and say, from what city are you? And he would say, your servant is from one of the tribes of Israel. And then Absalom would say to him, see, your words are good and right. But no man listens to you on the part of the king. So what did Absalom just do there? Immediately he agrees and says, you're in the right, but there's nobody to hear you. Isn't that sad? So what has he immediately done? Contention. Now that this person immediately has a grievance and they feel unheard. And then Absalom would say, oh, that one would appoint me judge in the land. And then every man who has any case or judgment could come to me and I would justify him. And when a man came near to prostrate himself before him, he would stretch out his hand and take hold of him and kiss him. And in this manner, Absalom dealt with all Israel who came to the king for judgment. Look at this. 
though Absalom stole away the hearts of the men of Israel. Uh, and so uh, there, there was a, a secret uh, division and the spreading of contention. Uh, and really it began with uh, listening to, uh, to trouble and then re- redirecting uh, those who are uh, upset and grieved uh, in some capacity. Uh, another term that we see in the Old Testament is that of a slanderer or a, a whisperer, someone who is uh, privately or secretly uh, finding fault with another or, or carping about them. And uh, Proverbs 16:28 says, A perverse man spreads strife, uh, and a slanderer or a whisperer separates intimate friends. Uh, Proverbs 18:8, The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Uh, Isaiah translates this word as those who criticize. Deuteronomy has it as uh, you who grumbled uh, in your tents uh, and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. The idea of a uh, of a slanderer or a whisperer is kind of the emphasizing uh, the private or secret nature uh, of uh, this communication, this fault finding. Uh, That's kind of in contrast with uh, what's known as a murmurer. Uh, and similar to the slanderer above, but the, but the fault finding is more public, uh, where a whisper is, is done privately, uh, grumbling is done more publicly. Uh, whispering can be done, uh, you know, in one other person's ear. Grumbling is going to be, in essence, uh, to a group of people, to a crowd. Uh, and uh, the people of Israel grumbled regularly against Moses and Aaron, and ultimately against God. Uh, there's also the description of somebody who is a uh, repeater. Uh, someone who repeats or passes on the details of a problem. Proverbs 17:9 says, "He who conceals a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates intimate friends." There's the description of a contentious man. If you turn uh, back over to, with me to Proverbs 26, another uh, powerful passage on the, the power of words. Proverbs 26, beginning in verse 20. Says, with no wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, strife quiets down. Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a contentious man, there's our word, to kindle strife. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels, and they go down into the innermost parts of the stomach. Uh, And like an earthen vessel overlaid with silver and dross are fiery lips and an evil heart. He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he sets up deceit within himself. And when he makes his voice gracious, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. And though his hatred covers itself with guile, his evil will be revealed in the assembly and he who digs a pit will fall into it. And he who rolls a stone, it will turn back on him. A lying tongue hates those it crushes, and a flattering mouth works ruin. And this is uh, a contentious man, uh, one who is secretly quarrelsome, and uh, they instigate strife, uh, and uh, they pit one party against another. This is, again, uh, describing also what, uh, what we read Absalom doing uh, immediately saying well the king won't hear you out what a bummer but i'll hear you out uh, come, come i'll make things right 
also have uh, in, in the New Testament several different words with different emphases. We have the idea of uh, a gossip or a whisperer in the New Testament, kind of passing along derogatory information uh, about someone else. Uh, it's kind of offered in a tone of confidentiality. Now, don't tell anybody else, but I'll tell you. Second Corinthians 12:20 uses this word simply translated as gossip. He says, for I'm afraid that perhaps when I come, I may find you to be not what I wish and may be found by you to be not what you wish. That perhaps there will be strife, jealousy, angry tempers, disputes, slanders, gossip, arrogance, disturbances. Oftentimes, uh, sins that are mentioned together in the New Testament are going to be connected. Uh, and it, you, as you see there or hear there, uh, when, when, when gossip is taking place, there's a lot of other sins that are accompanying it. Now, else, elsewhere in the New Testament, we have the idea of a babbler, one who talks nonsense. First Timothy 5.13 uh, says, At the same time, they also learn to be idle as they go around from house to house, and not merely idle, but also gossips. There's our word. And then another word that we'll look at in a second. And busybodies, talking about things not proper to mention. Another word, uh, the, an accuser or a slanderer. Uh, and the Greek word is uh, diabolos, uh, the idea of diabolical, the idea of uh, the one who engages in slander. And this is the, the title of the, the principal accuser. Who is the principal accuser? Satan. Uh, and uh, you think about the scene at the beginning of Job. Uh, where the, the angels are, are coming into the, the, the throne room uh, and uh, Satan comes in. And what does he begin to do? Uh, God says, hey, have you seen my my servant Job? And Satan immediately begins. You've blessed him, but he would curse you if you take that blessing away. Satan immediately begins to accuse. We have another word, last one, that, that word that we just saw, that busybody. One who pays attention to matters that do not concern one. A person who is meddlesome. I always think of uh, the movie White Christmas. If you've seen that, that's a family tradition. Uh, in that movie, there's a, uh, on those, uh, the way phones used to be, uh, where there was a, just a single line. Uh, well, the, the housekeeper in this uh, hotel uh, picks up the line when somebody else uh, is on the phone. Uh, and she misinterprets what is said. Uh, and then what does she do? She goes and announces her misinterpretation uh, to other people. Uh, that's the, the very definition of a busybody. Do you need to pick up that phone and eavesdrop and then go announce to others? No. Uh, and that's the, the source of quarrel uh, and, uh, and contention. And uh, as, we, as we listen to that list and that, those uh, descriptions uh, that we see in the Bible of what it looks like to gossip, I think... Our, our initial response may kind of be a collective groan, right? Uh, because we, we begin to see little ways uh, or big ways uh, in, in which we have ourselves gossiped. We kind of let out a collective, ooh, this is, this is not good for me. We are all guilty of this sin of gossip. And the question is not if, but it's how much. Uh, it's not have we ever gossiped, but how often and to what degree uh, do we sin uh, with our tongue? Love the way uh, Charles Spurgeon put it uh, as we, uh, in his book, uh, John Plowman's Talk. He says, if we must talk, at least let us be free from slander. But let us not blister our tongues with backbiting. 
Slander may be a sport to talebearers, but it is death to those uh, whom they abuse. We, commit, we can commit murder with the tongue as well as with the hand. And the worst evil that you can do, a man, is to injure his character. And as the Quaker said to his dog, I'll not beat thee nor abuse thee, but I'll give thee an ill name. Because all are not thieves that dogs bark at, but they are generally treated as if they were. For the world, for the most part, uh, most believe that they were, uh, that where there is smoke, there is fire. And what everybody says must be true. Let us then be careful that we do not hurt our neighbor in so tender a point as his character. For it is hard to get dirt off if it is once thrown on. And when a man is once in people's bad books, he is hardly ever quite out of them. And if we would be sure not to speak amiss, it might be as well to speak as little as possible. For if all men's sins were divided into two bundles, half of them would be sins of the tongue. That's profound to think about. And I love the, the point that he makes here uh, is that when we when we gossip about others, when we uh, are a talebearer, when we speak in this way, when we are uh, doing damage and doing harm to another person's character. Right? And it's hard to uh, to remove the stains once they are on there. Right. Uh, and and that's that's what we have to be aware of. And ultimately, as we as we look in in. Uh, Next week, uh, we are to be those who, who safeguard the reputation of others. Uh, we are not to, to go about as uh, slanderers. We don't need to go around as uh, tail bearers. Uh, we need to, to speak the truth uh, in love. Uh, and sometimes we don't necessarily need to go around and, and proclaim even what is true if others don't need to, to know about it. Kind of building on what Spurgeon says uh, here, it's been, it's been said that when gossip takes place, three people are hurt. Uh, and I would say the, the speaker of gossip is hurt uh, because what happens in your heart as you, as you give vent to all of your frustrations uh, about someone else to someone else? What's going on in your heart? You just grow happy? No. Does that relieve the stress of the situation? Uh, when, I, when you go and vent... Uh, it builds and affirms that bitterness in your own heart, right? Uh, and so if I go and vent to somebody else about a grievance I have with this other person, uh, I become uh, more and more bitter and more and more affirmed in my own understanding of things. But the person who hears me out, how does gossip damage them? Who, who have I just brought onto my team? Now, now that person that I'm speaking to and venting to, what do they think about the other person? Now, they, they've heard one side of the story, and now who are they believing? Now they've jumped on my team, and now that, that's kind of the purpose of gossip. Uh, you go, someone else has sinned against you, you go talk to this person, and now they're on your team, and now you're both uh, upset with the other person. You begin to see how uh, the power of words begins to divide. And by speaking gossip and listening to gossip, uh, seeds of bitterness are planted in the speaker and in the listener. But the greatest evil of gossip is done to the one being gossiped about. And sometimes they may not even realize it. As Spurgeon said, it's the greatest grievance uh, to, to attack a man's character. 
Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is to be more desired than great wealth, and favor is better than silver and gold. We have to realize, we, we have to be those who safeguard the reputation of others rather than tearing down. What's really remarkable is that while God hates all sins, there are some sins that are, that are singled out uh, as particularly uh, heinous uh, and worthy of his judgment. And that as we read in Proverbs 6, 16, there are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination. And it lists out seven, seven sins, and three of them were sins of the tongue. Three of them uh, were spoken, and I could, I could probably make a case that there were two others that take place in the heart of somebody who's going to gossip. So th- these are things that are grievous to God and that particularly spark his wrath. They are an abomination to him. And I, I think we need to begin to be convinced uh, of that reality. Again, there, there are uh, sometimes uh, in Scripture, as we're, we're reading things through, we like to read in the... Uh, in the New Testament epistles, because it's very clear commands, right? Hey, go and do this. Like, all right, what's the application of this? I need to go and do this. Go and do likewise. Uh, But there are a lot of other places in Scripture that are going to just uh, speak truth. They're going to tell us what is. Uh, And our responsibility in those portions is to believe what is said uh, and to trust uh, what is said and then begin to act accordingly. Uh, and I think we need to, to change our thinking and transform our hearts and minds and truly begin to see the power of our words and the destructive nature that they can have upon our family, upon the church, upon a community. But even, even with all of these uh, descriptions and looking at these words, sometimes it's still really difficult to nail down what exactly gossip is. And so here, my, my second portion of what I want to look at this morning is distilling down the essence of gossip. Okay, so I've, I've given you a lot of descriptions. So how do we narrow this down uh, so that you really know what gossip is when you are speaking it or when you are hearing it? Uh, and uh, if we take all that biblical information, uh, you, you can uh, distill it down to its very essence and you could come up with uh, a definition. And this, this definition uh, comes from a biblical counselor. Uh, his name is Matthew Mitchell, and he's wrote a, a wonderful book that I'd highly recommend. It's called Resisting Gossip. Uh, and this definition is so simple. Uh, I'll read it and then we'll kind of uh, take it apart. He says, the sin of gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. So the sin of gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. Let's take this uh, kind of uh, into smaller uh, chunks, but uh, it's bearing bad news. And so that, that bearing bad news includes uh, both speaking and listening to the bad news. Uh, so Proverbs 20 verse 19 says, He who goes about as a slanderer, Reveal secrets. Therefore, do not associate with one of loose lips. Again, the idea, the emphasis is upon uh, the sin of gossip happens as we uh, speak, uh, as, as we go about as that slanderer or a talebearer, And then also the sin of gossip takes place as we listen to bad news. Proverbs 17.4 says, An evildoer gives heed to the lips of wickedness, and a liar gives ear to a destructive tongue. 
Uh, and so I would say in the sin of gossip, the listener uh, doesn't bear the same uh, degree and level of uh, guilt initially as the, the speaker. But there can be uh, the, an equal amount if the listener uh, doesn't uh, say something. And we'll talk about that in, in coming weeks of like, what do, what do I do when somebody comes and just unloads a ton of information that I'm now accountable for? Sometimes it's like, I did not want to know that. You shouldn't have said that to me. We'll talk about that in the future. So bearing bad news includes both speaking and or listening to the bad news. Uh, But how do we define bad news? And uh, Matthew Mitchell identifies three types. This is really, really helpful. First type of bad news that we bear in gossip would be bad information. And this is just something that's just inherently false. This is something that is a lie. And this is uh, what we would call slander. Something that is just not true, but is passed around. Uh, and uh, uh, sometimes we would say, well, I, I, I thought it was true when I said it. But that doesn't uh, excuse uh, passing it along. It doesn't excuse saying it. And good intentions or believing something is true doesn't sanctify Uh, what you have done. So the first type of bad news is bad information. The second type of bad news is bad news about someone. Uh, Sometimes gossip can consist of passing along something that is true. Uh, You can pass along something that is true, and sometimes we think, well, if it's true, then I can share it indiscriminately. Well, usually in gossip, we are we may pass along something that's true, but it's usually a shameful truth. It's something that would be embarrassing to the other person that we are uh, whose news it is. And we think, well, it's true. I can pass it along, uh, but it's not necessarily something that everybody needs to know. Right. Well, would you want everybody else here to know every all of your your deepest, darkest sins? Right. If they're true, should they be passed around? No, uh, that's not necessary. Uh, and again, uh, that's th- this realm that we have to uh, to understand. Uh, an illustration of this is uh, actually Genesis 37, verse 2, uh, that uh, Joseph, uh, the favorite brother of the, the 12, he brought a bad report about his brothers uh, to their father, Jacob. And this is the idea of uh, what I call confessing someone else's sins. One of my uh, son's new favorite activities. Hey, hey, Dada, welcome home from work. Can I confess brother's sins to you? No, you shouldn't do that. Let him talk to me about that. Right. But that's that. Uh, that that's the realm of that what we like to do. And again, we just are naturally drawn to that. Man, let me tell you what happened today. Like you don't need to announce every embarrassing thing that somebody else did or uh, some other sin that, that uh, happened. And it might be true, but you don't have to repeat it. So a third kind of bad news. So we have bad information. Uh, We have uh, bad uh, news about someone. And then we could also add bad news for someone. This could be something that's not necessarily either true or false, but it's it's a projection of something bad happening to somebody else. Example of this in Psalm 41, King David got sick. And he says all of his, en- his enemies began to say, uh, to, to spread gossip or to spread, oh, he's about to die. 
We might gossip in this way if we're passing along uh, speculation. Well, well, he's going to to lose his job uh, or, you know, there's going to be a lawsuit or her husband's going to to leave her or, you know, the kids are going to rebel. Like those are the types of things that are uh, gossip. They're, They're speculation. It's announcing future tragedy for someone else. So our definition of gossip, it's bearing bad news, speaking it, listening to it. Uh, it's uh, bad information. Uh, it's bad news for someone. It's bad news about someone. But then the second part is uh, that you're going to say it behind someone's back. Gossip has a, a, secret, a secret or a clandestine nature to it. Okay? Because there are often things that, that you may say uh, outside of that person's presence. That you would never say if that person were actually in the room. Am I right? And that you would probably be very embarrassed. That you would immediately know, oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this. Would I say this if they were here? Right, that, that's a, an excellent uh, question to ask. That's also why, uh, just the reality that when someone is there in the, in the room with us, or when we are in their presence, we, we tend to be more respectful. Which, when you, when you enter uh, into to online discussion, what tends to happen? Because there's a mediated communication. You're not in the presence of the other person. Does online communication tend to be more cordial and kind and assumes the best and doesn't rush to judgment? What tends to happen as we communicate through uh, technology? It just nosedives in terms of uh, our, our communication uh, and our, our tact and our love for others. But good questions to, to consider before speaking. Would I say this in front of the other person that I'm talking about? Would I receive this bad news in the same way if the person was here? Am I hiding this conversation from someone? Would I want someone to talk about me in this same way? Now, uh, question arises very easily from this. Does this mean I, I can never uh, speak uh, about someone else, about someone if I'm not in their presence? And some people have taken uh, and seeking to avoid the sin of gossip. They've taken that position or I will never speak about anybody unless I'm in their presence. Uh, and I think I was going a, a little bit too far on that. And again, we'll, we'll talk about. So how do we uh, how do we talk uh, in outside of people's presence? Uh, and we'll talk about that in, in future weeks. But we don't have to, to pendulum swing to the other realm of like, I can't talk uh, or mention anyone's name unless they are with me. Uh, that's not going that far. But uh, so the, the sin of gossip is uh, bearing bad news uh, uh, behind someone's back. And then the third part would be out of a bad heart. Uh, and. Um, and, and this is where oftentimes we are not the best judge of, uh, of our heart uh, motives. Uh, and this is where we, we need to go to the word. And this is also something that we need to, to recognize. Uh, that, that we speak uh, gossip because what's going on in our hearts. Okay, Luke 6.45, Jesus says, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from the abundance of his heart. Why did sinful words come out? Well, because the sinful thoughts, the sinful uh, content was in your heart already. Again, we have to come to grips with this reality. 
Uh, and, and there are numerous sinful motivations uh, behind uh, our gossip. Why we speak it, why we hear it. Sometimes it's jealousy. Sometimes it's bitterness, uh, anger. Sometimes just uh, foolishness, pride. Sometimes it's fear of man. Right? Somebody comes to you with a story, obviously gossiping, uh, and you don't know how to handle the situation of, I was afraid of how they might respond if I just shut them down. Someone's coming to you with stories. Sometimes you need to say, I don't think you need to tell me this. I don't think, uh, can I just pause the conversation right here? Uh, and I think you need to go and talk with that person before you, you come and speak with me. Uh, sometimes we need to do that, but sometimes we're afraid to do that. Right? Sometimes that is needed, but we're, we don't do what we ought to do because we're afraid of how somebody else might react. Sometimes we, we speak gossip or listen to gossip because we love man's praise. Sometimes we're just bored. That's the, the run with the busybody. What gets the busybody into trouble? They don't have something productive to do. Ultimately, we gossip because our heart is attracted to gossip. If you, uh, if you, as we were reading through passages in, in Proverbs, Proverbs 18, 8 and 26, 22 are identical. It says that the words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. and They go down into the innermost parts of the body. Now, what is a dainty morsel? I haven't seen those on the shelves at Trader Joe's, but it's like, what, what is that? Well, a, a dainty morsel is something that you find really, really tasty. And when you find something really, really tasty, what do you do? It goes quick, right? Uh, and uh, we, we all have particularly snacks that uh, if they were left out on the counter, we would immediately consume them, right? So that, like those peanut butter filled pretzels from Trader Joe's, those are amazing, Right? And there's a reason they are not in my house. My wife won't buy them because if, if they are there, I'm going to consume them. They are delightful. They are dainty morsels. Right? And we all have uh, different things that we enjoy eating. One comedian joked that when he saw the, the serving size for Fig Newtons, it was one Newton. He says, who eats one Newton? He's like, I eat Fig Newtons by the sleeve. And, but, but, but what happens if you eat... The whole sleeve of Fig Newtons. Now, what, what happens if you eat that entire bag of peanut butter pretzels? You are, you are going to enjoy it in the moment, but, but how are you going to feel afterwards? You're going to have a stomachache. You're going to regret your decision. And gossip is like that. It's enjoyable in the moment. Maybe we don't realize that we're doing it. And then afterwards, like, oh, I think I, I said a little bit too much. But, but we speak and then afterwards, then comes heartache. Well, when we see the, the fire raging because of things that we said, that's when the regret comes. And Solomon is saying that is what gossip is like. It brings regret. So how do we resist that dainty morsel of gossip? How do we resist listening when someone comes up to us with a juicy bit of information? 
How do we resist speaking about something that we saw or heard that doesn't necessarily need to be passed along? How do we resist the temptation to, to subtly tear down others? That's a, that's a point I've made in the past, that when we gossip and we're, we're slowly passing along bad information about others, uh, we, are, we are tearing them down. And as we naturally tear down everybody else around us, what happens to ourselves? By comparison, I, I'm elevated. So the same net effect, I can either boast and talk about myself or I can tear everybody else down. But at the end, I'm standing above everybody else. So we're going to, again, talk about this more in depth next week. But I'll say that resisting gossip begins by examining our own hearts and examining our own actions. Just asking, why, why am I saying this? Why do I feel the need and the urge to, to pass this on to others? Or why am I listening to this? Even, I guess, a, a bigger question. Why is this bad news appealing to me? Why is it capturing my, my attention and my affections? Those questions are important because to answer uh, honestly, uh, we're going to begin to get to some of the motives uh, that are driving uh, our speaking and our listening. And ultimately, when we answer those questions honestly, we, we have to take uh, those answers. We have to take our sin and our sinfulness, and we have to, we have to carry it to the cross. Now, ultimately, uh, who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us, that is the remedy to uh, our uh, problem of uh, a sinful heart and sinful words. And, and we carry it to the cross because at the, the cross and, and in Christ, uh, there is hope, number one, for forgiveness. Uh, because probably as I'm, as I'm up here speaking, uh, you are probably recalling certain conversations either in the present or in the past. Uh, and you're starting to realize, oh, maybe that didn't need to be said. And, and there's a, a guilt and a realization that comes from that. And what should we immediately do? Confess the sin and the heart behind it to the Lord. Uh, ask for his forgiveness. Now, there is hope for forgiveness, even for the sin of gossip, uh, the abomination of gossip in the Lord's eyes, uh, in Christ. All of our sins can be forgiven if we look to him in faith. Because Jesus is the Son of God who lived a perfect life, who died a sacrificial death, who rose again on the third day. Uh, and by the way, he perfectly understands what it looks like to be gossiped about. Uh, he, he was slandered and he was slandered against and then murdered based upon the slander, based upon the false testimony. So he knows and understands. We, we run to him because he promises forgiveness and reconciliation. We also run to him because there's also hope and promise uh, to help us change. To change our, our patterns of speech, to change the way that we think and speak about others. Again, we need to confess our sinful words and our sinful motives. And we need to repent of our old sinful speech habits. And we need to put on speech that builds up rather than tears down. And in Christ, we have the hope of reconciliation. Okay, again, as I've said, if we are all potential fire-breathing dragons, it's only a matter of time before little things begin to spark up in our community, in our church. Uh, and when that does happen, when there are fires that come up, it's an opportunity to put on the gospel. 
Uh, It's an opportunity to glorify God, Uh, to not follow all of the the patterns of the world, uh, but to put on Christ and to demonstrate the gospel. Uh, If you guys uh, look over with me to uh, Colossians chapter 3. And this is the sin, sins of the, the tongue and, and the, the sinful words. This is a, a normal part of our life before Christ. Begin with me in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. It says, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also lay them all aside. Wrath, anger, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. And do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with its evil practices. And I put on the new man, which is being renewed to a full knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So why does the Apostle Paul have to write that to the church at Colossae? Because what's our natural tendency? To sin with our words. Uh, But look at what he says. Verse 12. So as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, and just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also should you. And above all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. And let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratefulness in your hearts to God. Right in within there, you can probably guess things that I'm going to be saying next week. Now, as we put off abusive speech, what are we to put on? Compassionate hearts, kindness, love. When there is a complaint that we have one against another, what are we to do? Sit on opposite sides of the church? If they go forward, you go back. Avoid them. What are we to do? What does it say? What's the blueprint? When fires begin to happen... We strive to put them out. We strive to, to put on the gospel. So the one who said sinful words needs to come confess and ask for forgiveness. Uh, the one who, who heard them needs to be a part of the process and confess their sin as well. The one who has sinned against needs to bear a grudge, hold it against them secretly so they just get, be, be scowly for the rest of their time here. No, we put on forgiveness. Uh, that is what is commanded. That's why there is hope. And really, there is only hope in Christ and in the gospel. So I take the time to do a series on the power of words and on gossip. Well, I'll say this. I, I have seen families. I have seen churches and I have seen other secular organizations all ripped apart by gossip. Uh, Again, in in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul says, If you bite and devour one another, be careful not to consume 
each other. Why does he need to say that? Because our sinful tendency is to do exactly that. To be backbiting and to destroy one another. I was speaking with a, a ministry friend last month. He's describing a situation in his church, and right now there is a wildfire raging in his church. Sparked and fueled by gossip. False accusations, mentioned a little bit over here. Somebody lights a torch, carries it to somebody else, starts a fire over here, and suddenly it's raging. And there are certain times with gossip, and again, we'll, we'll talk about this more. Sometimes there's no clear and easy way to put all of that out. Sometimes it's like this fire is just going to keep burning and burning and burning. And I can, I can douse a little bit here, but it's raging over there. The wind has carried it away, completely out of control. You guys are familiar with wildfires. No family, no church, no organization is fireproof against gossip. Earlier this summer, as we were visiting Zion National Park, there were numerous warnings throughout the park, both written and verbal, about the danger of flash floods. I mean, it was literally everywhere. So Zion's a lot of small canyons, and there could be a thunderstorm 100 miles away, uh, drops uh, some rain, and it all uh, floods towards the park. And if you're in a narrow portion of a canyon... In those moments, there can just be a wall of water and debris rushing at you. Uh, And there's not much uh, that you can do at that point in time. So they are constantly warning and saying, watch out for flash floods. It would be nice if conversations came with similar warnings, right? Watch out for gossip. Because uh, there's there's fire there and and you need to be aware. But our conversations don't always have those types of warnings. Conversations don't have those warnings, but but Scripture warns us. I'll close with this. The words of Christ in Matthew 12. He says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And the good man brings out of his good treasure what is good, and the evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. By your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Pray that we would heed that warning.